good morning. Good morning. You guys are alive. Well, I, I, I don't know about you, just singing those songs this morning, I, I was enjoying myself and um, just recognizing how good God is in our life. And that song, Give Us Faith, isn't that a powerful song? Lord, give us faith. This life is lived by faith. It's not by sight. It's not by just what we see or feel around us. It's what God says that is true. And what God says in truth is what sets us free. And we just want to give God thanks for that. I'm so glad to see you all. Welcome. Uh, if you have your Bibles, wherever you find your, the Word of God, whether it's your phone or your tablet, whatever you use, turn to the book of Galatians chapter 2 is where we're going to spend our time this morning. Galatians chapter 2. Get a second for me to get set up here. And uh, How many had a great week? Anybody? So-so week? Glad this week is over? Yeah, that's life. We have all those things sometimes, and yet, can I tell you, God is faithful through all of them, and he's with us no matter what, and he's with you today. And I believe this, I believe God has something to speak uniquely to us this morning, and that's our prayer, and that's our heart, and we just want you to open yourselves up to that. In fact, before we read the scripture, I just want us to pray together. So would you join me? Father, I, I know we've spent time this morning, God, singing about you and to you, God, and Father, we recognize that, Lord, right now in this place, you are here. God, I, I believe that, God, with all my heart, God, not just experientially, God, because you said you are, God, and we see the evidence of that, God, in changed lives. So, Father, we open ourselves to you this morning, God. God, move in us. Draw us closer to you, God. Father, if we don't know you as our Heavenly Father, then, Lord, I pray that, God, that, that happens today, God. What a, what a great thing that would be, God. Lord, are we, if we want to know more about you, God, just shape us. God, to where we start reflecting who you are to this world, God, because this world needs you so desperately. So, Father, speak to us through the word this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're in week two of a series we began called Real Life. And it's really a study of the book of Galatians. And the best way I can describe Galatians to you, if you're not really familiar so much with the Bible, is Galatians is kind of like this. Say, say years from now, uh, I leave. Not happening, just saying, just trying to get you the example here. Started Hope Church. Paul started the church in the regions of Galatia. Galatia was a region in modern-day Turkey. If you follow the, the, the struggles in the Middle East right now, you can see where Turkey is, right above Israel next to Syria. And he started churches there, and he taught them the truth of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, not based on what we do, but what, based on what Christ did. He taught them the truth of the power of Christ's death and resurrection. Then he moved on, and, and, and he moved on, and he went away hearing things about the church he had started, that people had come in, and they were starting to teach a different gospel. They were starting to teach that the way you really relate to God is based on what you do. It's based on ceremonial things. It's based on dietary laws. It's based on things like circumcision. And, and he didn't have the internet. He didn't have the email or he couldn't text anybody. So he wrote letters. How many remember letters? Do you remember letters? Denise and I are in the middle of packing our house up right now. We're moving to Concord here in May. And, uh, and we across so much stuff that we forget about. And one of those things is when we were dating... This is going to sound so old school. She lived two and a half hours away from me. And back in those days, phones like long distance cost you money. And so long distance calls you kept very short because it was money, right? So we wrote letters back and forth. And my lovely wife kept all the letters I wrote. Did I keep all of hers? I must confess, no. 
She has all of them, though. And you go back, and I'm like, man, I was a pretty slick guy. I could, I, could, I, could, I could write some stuff out. You ever need a letter written? Call me. I'm telling you, I can write some letters. Well, Paul wrote a letter, and he wrote a letter back to Galatians. He said, what's wrong with you? I mean, it's literally what he wrote in the, second chapter, in the third chapter. He said, have you so easily forgotten the freedom that we gave, the freedom we found in Christ? Find it in something else. He goes, I want you to come back to real life. Come back to the life that Christ has. This series is about is how do we live in the real life that Christ gave us when he died on the cross and he forgave us of our sins. And really, what he's speaking of, we're having problems I'm not even aware of. There you go. Y'all are so good. Testing, one, two. Did I say something about letters? You know, no technology? That was easier days. Um, gosh, where was I? Oh, yeah. What, what this series is really about, and I, I want to, I'm just kind of giving you a, a platform, because as we grow with this, it, it's going to be easy to kind of miss the point. I don't want you to miss the point. What Paul was dealing with is what we deal with today, and that is, do we really trust God? Do we really trust God that his ways work? Do we really trust God that when he says his grace is enough, it's enough? Or do we feel that somehow we have to do something to or, in order to earn in order to earn his favor, in order to earn his love or earn his acceptance. And the issue that we're dealing with really goes all the way back to the very beginning uh, in the Garden of Eden. We went back there last week in the book of Genesis where there were two trees in the garden that God told Adam and Eve, just stay away from. You don't, you don't need to eat of these. One was the tree of life, and the other was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And really what he was dealing with was he was saying, you need to trust me. You need to trust that what I provided for you is good. But when Satan came in and tempted Eve and Adam in the garden, what he was really tempting them with was an issue of trust. Do you really believe God's ways work? Or do you think you need to take them on yourself and somehow now you control your, your, your position in God? And so here's Paul. He's dealing with this, and he's asking really the question to the Galatians, guys, why go back? Why go back into the bondage of trying to prove somehow that, God, God, you, you deserve me, instead of saying, God, I humbly come to you, and God, I thank you for your acceptance. And so this morning, what I want to focus on is how do we keep from going back? Once we've tasted the freedom of the grace of Christ, how do we keep from going back into a faith based on works, based on what we do? And in Galatians 2.20, we enter to this teaching this morning. In Galatians 2.20, it says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, there's some things in our lives that if we're going to live in freedom, there are some things in our lives we've got to put to death. There are some things in our lives that we've got to let pass away, let go away from us. He says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What Paul was speaking of, he was saying when we live in the freedom that we find in Christ, there are things that that try to creep back in. There are things that try to get back a hold of us that pull us away from the freedom that God gave us. And he says those are the things we've got to put to death. We've got to lay them to rest because dead men don't get angry, right? Dead men don't get jealous. Dead men don't get lustful. All these things that we battle with in our flesh, Paul says, we've got to put to death. We have to learn to live that way. We have to learn to live dead in order to live free. We have to learn to live dead in order to have real life. Jesus talked about this. It wasn't just Paul. 
Jesus talked about it back in Matthew's gospel. It'll be on the screen this morning, Matthew 16. It was at the end of his ministry. And his disciples didn't like what he was saying. Because he was starting to say, guys, I'm going away. I, I, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be buried. I'll raise the third day. And they didn't like what he was saying because they wanted what we still want sometimes. They wanted a man to come and rule and reign and set all things in order. But that wasn't what Christ came to do on this earth. He came to do it for eternity. So in Matthew's gospel, he was speaking to them. In verse 21, he said this. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And then he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. But Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Everybody beats up on Peter, but I'm telling you, the man had guts. I'm just saying right there. He'd seen Jesus do amazing miracles. God could have made him a, I mean, Jesus could have made him a grease spot right then, right? But Peter's like, whoa, no, no, no. You're not doing this, Lord. And he stood up to him, and Jesus turned and said to Peter, you never want to hear this. Get behind me, Satan. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was speaking through the spirit of what Peter was saying. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, don't miss this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save, his li- save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. Those words, if anyone comes after me. Now, understand, he's not talking about acceptance. You say, but I just thought we were, we were already accepted. We are once we confess Christ as our Savior, we surrender our lives. But he said, if you want to follow me, if you want to live this life out to the fullest, then there's some things that you have to, you have to recognize, and that is if you want to really find life, you've got to lose your control of it. If you don't want to experience life, then you've got to lose your ability to somehow continue to try to make yourself worthy of God and just recognize he's already said you're worthy because of what Christ did. You see, the ones who are living out life to the full are those who've learned to live a crucified life. In order to live it to the full, they recognize that some things have to be put to death. This is a hard message. It's not a message that it's easy sometimes to, to get a hold of because most of us believe that we would really be much more free if our circumstances changed. We, we tend to focus on the natural. You know, God, if you would just change, you know, the way my marriage is, then, then I'd be so much more free. God, if you would just change my, my job, then I'd be so much more free and I'd really live this out. Or, God, if you just do something with my kids, you know, then I would really experience this real life. But the reality is we may be in tough situations and we pray that things change, but can I tell you that if we really want to find life, it's the change that happens in us, not the change that happens around us that reminds us that God, God is good and he is faithful and he's able. I know too many people that are waiting for circumstance to change and, and yet God says, I want to change you. Some things have to die inside of you in order to experience the real life God has. In Romans chapter 6, Paul addressed this to another church he was writing to, in the church in Rome, and he said, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. In other words, so that my, my anger will not rule my life or my, my impatience will not rule my life, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. See, Paul was dealing with this draw. These religious leaders that came in behind him, they were trying to draw people back. It was really control. They were trying to draw them back to say, if you're going to be holy, then you've got to have these things in your life. 
If you're going to really be acceptable to God, then you got to eat this way. you got to do away with it. I mean, they were just really about everything was on what we could do. And it was infecting everybody. It was infecting even some of those that should know better. If you read the, 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 re, the entirety of chapter 2 in Galatians, it's kind of comical because Paul, Paul had to get in Peter's face. Now, already, Peter was the big fisherman, right? Most people think Paul's a little short guy with a stuttering problem, but Paul got in Peter's face because what Peter was doing was is when these religious leaders were gone away and they weren't in the scene, he was hanging out with these new believers, the ones who were experiencing the freedom of God's grace, these Gentiles, and he was enjoying fellowship with them. But whenever the Jewish leaders showed back up, what did Paul do? I mean, Peter did. Peter walked away from the table and acted like he didn't even know him. He's like, no, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I'm associated with the religious crowd. Paul had to get in his face and say, Paul, Peter, my Paul's and Peter's this morning getting messed up here. He says, Peter, you can't do that. He said, you've been set free. You know better. You know the beauty of what God did for us. Now you've got to allow other people to experience that same thing. But Peter, you've got to, you've got to stop acting one way when you're around the religious people and one way when you're around the world. And that's a good message to us today. You know, we need to, we don't put on a Sunday show here. Can I get an amen? I hope, I hope you don't do that. I hope you don't like, oh, I got to talk right and act right because we're in church. And then I go outside and I can act like I want to. No, we are transparent. We are who we are. And we should live this way before the Lord every single day that our, that our lives have been crucified with him so that we no longer live to the flesh, but we live to the glory of our God. Now, in, in Galatians, the word crucified, or that, that thought of crucified living, is mentioned three times. And that's what we're going to look at today because there's three areas of our lives that, that need to be put to death if we are going to live in the freedom of, of Christ. There's three areas of our lives that cannot control us if we are going to live the free life. And the first one is this. We must crucify self. You say, well, Mike, I thought we already did that. I thought we did that when we got saved. And, 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 and yes, we did. We surrendered to the Lord because that's what salvation really is. Salvation is a surrender. It's saying, Lord, I, I want you to be in control. I want you to, to be the one that I follow. And I, I give up my way of life to know your way of life. And we, we surrender that. But the problem with surrender is, is our human nature tends to like take, to take things back. Our human nature tends to like to go and, and pull, our, pull back things to where we can control it because we like control. Where Paul had to say in 1 Corinthians, he said, I die daily. He knew there was this tendency to go back. So every day he needed to die to that way of his past. He needed to die to self. He needed to learn to give God his life fresh and anew every day. It's not a salvation issue. It, you know, you don't get saved every day. <laughs> Jesus, when he died for us, he died for our sins. What we had done, what we've done, and what we will do, he died for our sins. We are saved in him. But if we want to live in the freedom that comes from salvation, we've got to die daily to our old way of life. And I find that's best done in our prayer. I find it's best done when we offer ourselves to God, when we pray, Lord, I, I give you my attitude today. Wouldn't the world be different if we all gave God our attitudes? God, I give you my attitude today. God, I'm going to forgive those people on 85 before I even get out in traffic. God, I'm just going to give that to you, God, because I don't, I don't want to get tied up in that. And Lord, I, I'm going to forgive my coworkers before I even say hi to them this morning, God, because somebody's going to say something that's going to make me mad before the day is over with. You know, it's that surrender of, of attitude. And what we're saying is, Lord, let us take on your nature. And your nature is evidenced, God, by the fruit of the Spirit. We'll read about later in Galatians 6, and it's that love and joy and peace and that, that 
that, that confidence in, a, in our God that gives us the ability to, to not project things onto other people, to say, well, if they don't act that way, I don't have to be nice to them. It's that, that evidence that God is working in us to where we are a blessing and not a curse. We pray, God, let our mouth build up people and not tear them down. Can I get an amen? And that is the same whether it's on Facebook or not, right? Lord, let my ears, let my ears hear, God, what is truth? Let me not get so easily offended. Wow, that's, that's a powerful thing. God, let me not get so easily offended. Let, let me have grace toward people, God, and not just to myself. God, let these hands not hurt, but let them heal. Let them do good work, God. Let them be, be, be prosperous in what we do, God. Let my mind be the mind of Christ. Uh, where in Philippians 4, the, the Bible says that I think about what is good and what is true and what is honorable and what is trustworthy. So much of our battle of living in the freedom of Christ is right here. It, it, it's not the acts of selfishness. It's the, it's the mindset that gets us in trouble because we're, we start thinking about the wrong things. We caught up in the, world, the world's way of thinking, and we're not thinking the way that Christ formed us to think. Lord, let my feet take me places where you want me to go. God, you said the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. Can you imagine if every day we would just surrender ourselves in that prayer? But here's what I've learned through experience. That prayer lasts about 24 hours. And it's why you have to come back the next day and say, here I am again, God. I surrender my attitude to you. I surrender my mind, my feet, my eyes, because we just have this natural tendency to drift back into our old ways. That's why John the Baptist said, he said, I must, he must become greater and I must become less. That's a prayer I try to pray every day. God, let me decrease that you may increase in me. Let there be, let there be less of Mike when the world encounters me and let there be more of you because Mike's not a savior, but Jesus, you are. So let there be more of you. I read this a long time ago and I think it's such a great statement. And it says that a man on his face cannot fall from that position. When you live your life in humility, and that's the action step here. If we really want to die to self, it's, it's, it's an act of humility. But when you stay on your face before God and you're saying, God, I know me. <laughs> me is not good for the world, but you are, God. When we stay on our face before God, can I tell you, we will never fall from that position because we will be trusting in him. So the first thing that has to die is, is we have to crucify self. And really to do that, we have to humble ourselves. It goes against our pride. It goes against our nature. Humble ourselves and seek him. The second thing we need to crucify is our flesh. Now, I'm not talking about this, this body. I'm not talking about their, our skin. You know, it's not this physical act. You know, you see that in some other religions where they mutilate their body or whatever to somehow prove they're worthy to God. That's not what he's talking about at all. But he's talking about something that I think is so critical today, and that is he's talking about our passions and our desires need to be crucified before God. Our passions and our desires. Check it out. Galatians 5, verse 24 says this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. You know, all of us have passions and desires that the world is telling us you just need to trust. It's just how you're wired. I've had people try to tell me it's okay that they've got an anger problem and they are abusive in their language and they're abusive in their actions because, after all, don't you know that I was raised this way or my daddy was this way or my grandpa was this way? I have people that tell me, well, you know, I'm, gonna be, I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to be addicted to this. I'm going to be a drunk because my daddy was a drunk, my grandpa was a drunk, and his grandpa was a drunk. Well, when we say that and we accept that, 
we're basically telling God we don't trust you. You have no power. You can't change us. But if I take those passions and desires and I give them to God and say, God, I can't be ruled by these things. I can't be ruled by these things, God, and be who you call me to be. So, God, I need to give them to you. Because here's the, here's the truth, guys. You can't, you don't have to accept your passions and desires as your true self or your true orientation. If I live by my passions and my desires, you would not have me as your pastor. If I acted on everything I thought, if I acted on every thought I had, you'd probably visit me in Mecklenburg County Jail right now. Just one drive down 85. It's just all it would take right there. I mean, if, you, if we acted on what we just felt, can I tell you, this world would be a bad place. You see, I don't live by my passions and desires and say, well, that's just who I am. No, I live by God's word, and that's a choice. And every point that I see that my life is not lining up with God's word, that I'm saying, Lord, then crucify that part of my flesh. God, crucify that part of my desire. God, crucify that passion, God, that would lead me away from you. But here's the world's argument, and this is what we hear over and over again. Well, you got to go with how you feel. If you feel this way, then that must be who you are. So let's just accept that and let's move on. But no, for the believer, what we're saying is, God, the closer we get to you, the more we recognize there's some things in our life that don't line up with you, God. There's some thought patterns that don't line up with you. There's some passions and desires, God, that don't line up with your word. And God, I need to give those to you, Father, because here's what I've come to know. I can't overcome them just by my own strength, God, but you can. And so, Lord, crucify those in me. Church, listen, we need, to, we need to live daily by our choices and not by our feelings. We need to live daily by our, our principles and not by our passions. We're living in a principleless day, if that's even an English word. We're living in a day where nothing is solid, nothing is right, nothing is true in the world's eyes. And yet God said that we need to live by our convictions that come from the Word of God and that are not pressed on us by culture and pressed on us by others. That's why it's so important to know the Word of God. It's so important to know what the Word says. In the, in the day we live in right now, I get a lot of this, well, Mike, what's your opinion about such and such? And I go, I don't have an opinion. I have the Word of God. And the Word of God says this about that. And I choose to follow the Word of God. And whether my opinion is, is, is popular or not, that's not really what I'm worried about. What I'm concerned about is, God, am I living in a way that honors who you said you are in me according to your Word? Now, that's not popular preaching today. That's not popular at all. It's hard. But can I tell you, when you live your life based on principles, when you live your life based on truth, it's hard sometimes because it does make you unpopular. But it, it also brings freedom on the other side. That, Lord, when I stand before you, God, I'm not saying, well, God, I live this way because I was afraid what Joe may say. Or I live this way because I thought that, you know, the, the world would see me wrongly. But, God, no, I lived according to your word. God, you gave me freedom in that. And I choose, Lord, to serve you. In Joshua 24, classic passage, it says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Guys, it's bad theology to live based on your feelings. Nowhere did Jesus say that. It is bad theology to say, just go with your passions. No, God has God-ordained passions that we will grow in when we surrender the fleshly passions to him. 
and say, all right, God, I trust you. You see, if we really want to grow in this freedom, we've got we to gotta crucify self. We've got to get our mind straight. We've got to get our, our, our attitude straight. We've got to surrender those things to God. But we also need to learn to make good choices. We need to learn to choose life. We need to choose what's right. We need to learn to choose that which glorifies God or builds him up or what is even good for ourselves. Because too many people live life based on excuses instead of choices. This is good preaching. I don't, I'm not sure if you think it is, but I think it is. Because here's what happens. When we live based on those feelings and we act on those feelings, guess where you end up? You end up sitting in front of a pastor or a counselor or someone else going, why is life not working? Because God created us to live in his truth. God created us to live according to his word, and we must learn to crucify that part. So we need to learn to make good choices, and that's why we need community. That's why we need people to call on. That's why we need people to help us out, because there are some times it's, it's hard. It, it's hard to know which is the way that is right, and that's why God put us together, so we can encourage each other and help lead the way. Now, there's a last area, and this one kind of ties right into that. There's a third area that needs to be crucified according to the book of Galatians. And, and, and don't misinterpret this, so listen carefully how it's said. And that is we need to crucify the world. Now, <laughs> there are a lot of people that like to take that literally right now. If we just, like, killed off this half, then we, we'd have a great place to live. No, we, that is wrong. Can, can I get amen to that? Uh, it, it's not about us against them. We live in a world right now that is so us against them, and it's not right. It's not right. I was telling Denise on the way here today, I said, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of people not talking to each other. Everybody's just yelling at each other. Nobody's listening. It's not us against them. That's not what we're talking about when we say crucify the world. Listen to how it's said in Galatians 6.14. It says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if there's anything good in me, it's because Christ died for me, okay? Through which... The world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Here's, here's what Paul was saying. He said, I have been set free from that stifling atmosphere of pleasing others and fitting into the patterns that everybody thinks I should walk in. He's saying, listen, I've been set free from that. I don't wake up every morning thinking about what, what someone else thinks about me. I wake up thinking, what does God think about me? I don't wake up and choose my words, my actions based on who I'm trying to please. I choose them based on pleasing God and living according to his word. You see, the secret, and I think this is so powerful, the secret to living a, a free life, the secret to living a life-giving freedom is that I have to have a world filter in my life. I need a world filter in my life. You see, every one of us needs to, needs to walk through the exercise where we're saying, I can't let this part of the world be in my life. I, I can't do it. I can't let that pattern of thinking, I can't let that form of, of entertainment, if that's an example, I can't let that, that, that way of acting be in my life. I just can't go there. I, I can't go. It's not that I'm judging the world. It's I'm judging me. I know me. And I know if I start going this direction, then guess what? God, God just kind of gets pushed over into the corner somewhere, and I'm not serving him anymore. I'm just doing my own thing. If I'm not careful, I'll find myself trying to, to live in that old religion again where basically I'm just trying to show God that I'm worthy of him by what I do, and all I do is live in guilt and shame instead of living in the freedom that Christ died for and gave us through the cross. You see, we've got to come to that point where we're saying, I can't expose myself to some things and be in the freedom that God has for me. You see, if we're going to live in freedom, 
then we can't let the world's philosophies or the world's systems or even the world's leadership tell us how to live life. I've, I've had to not give opinion when it's not asked for sometimes lately. Because if I sat back and said, okay, if I want you to learn about relationships, then please don't learn it from Hollywood's portrayals right now. Fifty Shades of Grey doesn't tell you how to love somebody, okay? Let's just be honest. If we're going to learn how to love people, then let's don't listen to government right now how to love people. Because we're fighting over how do you love people, and it's stupid. Love people. They're God's creation. We are to love them with the love of Jesus Christ. But how do I know? How do I know where my filter is? How do I know where I've got to draw the line of saying these things aren't good? If I'm going to live in freedom, they've got to be out. I've got to crucify myself to them. The only way you can know is you have the Holy Spirit and you have the Bible. It keeps coming back to do you know the Word of God? If you live your life on a philosophy of man, at the end of the day, that man did not die for you. He did not rise for you. And he's not coming back again. But if you lived your life on the truth of God's word, then God pours his Holy Spirit into us and develops in us an awareness of his ways that lead to life. But we've got to make some choices. This is, this is going to be hard. For some of you, that choice is there are some people in your life that aren't good for you. They're just not. Lucky youth pastor again. He used to have teaches the teenagers. Yes, he's handsome, and he's awesome. He drives a cool car, but he is like Satan incarnate, okay? So just stay away, you know? You know, just, I, I know that as a father. I, I, know, I know she looks good, but, you know, <laughs> that she loves Jesus, okay? Because that's going to make a difference in your life. The, you know, it, it's interesting. We think it's just teenagers. It's not. Can I tell you, we are more shaped by the influences of who we hang out with than anything else in our lives. Think about that. You pick it up in your language, don't you? You work around people all day long, and next thing you know, you're talking like them. And you're like, ooh, I didn't mean to say that. Well, something is embedded down in here now that thought it was okay to say that. If you don't watch even your relationships, then before long, you're like Peter. You're denying God because you want to be in the cool crowd over here instead of letting God's freedom be found in others. So sometimes it's a, it's a relational thing. It is, it is getting some people out of our life or praying for Christ to, to help us know them or for him, them to know him. For some, it's habits. For some, it's entertainment. Listen, you don't need to t- me to tell you where the line is this morning, but can you, can you hear this? But every one of us needs a line. Every one of us needs a line. There are some things you have freedom to do that I don't. And there's some things that I have freedom to do that you don't because we know ourselves. We know how God works in our lives, and we're able to say, you know what? That's a line you can't cross. Maybe I can go there, but you can't. And now I've got to love you enough that when I'm with you, I'm not going to try to pull you over that line. That's the weaker brother principle. That's what's taught in the Bible. Let me give you a real-life example of that. This will get a little preachy for a moment. Y'all can handle preachy? I'm going off the notes, baby. It's bad, okay? I'm telling you right now. So just you'll correct me later. It's kind of like this. When we start hope, right, there's a lot of freedoms we have. You know, this, is, this has been the most fun thing we've done in ministry is starting something from scratch because you can create your own dysfunction. Well, we were, we were <laughs> yeah, uh, early in our time, listen, here's the thing. You know, there are a lot of people that have freedom in different parts of life. And, and some people have freedom in the area of, like, things like alcohol. And it's, they're like, hey, I have a beer once. Well, the Bible doesn't say you can't do that. But then I had some saying, hey, let's build our men's ministry about going to the, to the tavern down here because they got the latest microbrews. And I'm like, time out. Time out. 
Because guess what? There's some men who can't cross that line. And for you to try to drag them over that line, you are not honoring them. So don't drag them over the line. You get what I'm saying? There, there are things we have to prefer one another in. And that's why my convictions can't be your convictions. I can't sit back and say, well, <laughs> look at them. They, they, they're doing this. I mean, how can God love them? Because I can't do that. Well, my line, I know where my line is. But my responsibility is not to, to create a line for you. It's to tell you how to find your line, and that is through God's Word. Because living by faith is more important than constantly worrying about tripping over a line. Because if you live by faith and you're living in the Word of God, here's what happens. The Holy Spirit redefines your line. And it's not a matter of, of you every day going, oh, am I going to mess up? Am I going to fall? No, you're just walking through life. You're enjoying the freedom God has for you, and the Holy Spirit goes, ping, <laughs> don't go there. Don't have that conversation. Don't send that email. Don't open that box. Don't, don't, don't go to that movie. The Holy Spirit builds that in you because he is reshaping you from the inside out. Paul said this to the church in Corinthians, another church he wrote a letter to in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians 6, he says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? And what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Belial was a demonic uh, being that people worshipped in that day, okay? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is going to sound so old-fashioned, religion, churchy. But the action step here is if we're going to crucify ourselves to the world and the world to us, the action step is separation. Now, we can't go live in a commune. Can I get a praise God for that? Because you wouldn't want to live with me that long anyway, all right? Just telling you. That's not what he's talking about. It's just recognizing in our lives there is a separation. There is a difference. There is a place where we say, I can't go. There's a place where we can't let our minds go if we're going to live in the freedom of Christ. It doesn't mean we look to the world that is far from God and say, you just stay out there. We don't want you. It's not talking about people. It's talking about the mindsets and the philosophies. Because how will people know unless we tell them of God's love? How, how, how can we be God's hands extended if we're not reaching to people that are far from God? But what he's saying is when you're doing so, you need to know where you stop. You need to know where that line is for you and the things you do or not do in order to be a witness to God and not just compromise to live like the rest of the world. I think the greatest witness, and I, I really do believe this in this day, I think the world is waiting for Christians to really be Christians. I really do. I really think the world is waiting for the church to be the church. And that is to love people enough to say, I love you enough to tell you that God wants you in a relationship with Him. And He didn't send me to be your judge. He sent me to be a witness to Him. And He will love you. He will show you the way to life. But I just want you to know He's real and He loves you. I think the people are waiting for the church to be the church. But I also think the world is waiting for the church to not compromise and, and try, to, try to live like everybody else so we just blend in. Listen, guys. It's not about being weird. It's about being holy. Two different things. Two different things. I know a lot of people think that weirdness is holiness. Been around there, been there, done that. 
It's all based on the length of your hair, not the length of your hair. If you have no hair, you're in trouble. It's not based on how you, you, know, you dress or what Bible you carry. It's based on how you live your life. Do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And do you love your neighbor as yourself? Because that's what Jesus said it all boils down to. Two things. Not 10,000 things, two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Let's wrap this up. Humility. Choices. Separation. Listen. The Holy Spirit's trying to shape us. He's trying to keep us in freedom, but our flesh fights it. Our flesh wants to go back. Our flesh wants to be in control. But every time we take it back, all we're doing is we're bringing ourselves in that position again where we, we struggle with the, the condemnation that the enemy likes to put on our soul. So the longer we want to stay in freedom, the more we want to know God and let his life shine through us, then we've got to learn to walk in these areas. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how much better your life would be can you imagine how much better your circumstances would be if you started your day on your face before God and said, God, before I go out, Lord, change me within. God, before I go out, let my attitude be that like Christ, Lord. Lord, before I go out, God, help me. That, Father, my mouth will not say what I always think, God. Help me to, to change my thinking, but also help me to change what I say, God. Help me that my hands will heal, God, and not hurt. Can you imagine how better your life would be if you live by God's Word and not driven by your passions? Can you imagine? If your life was shaped so much that you just weren't driven here or there based on your passions, you didn't act out in anger, what a different world this would be, right? Can you imagine what your kids would be like if mom or dad was so in love with Christ and he was changing them that they had a confidence that their house was a place of peace, their house was a place of joy, their house was a place of unconditional love. I know we got a lot of young parents in here, but can you imagine? Can you imagine? You see, we work with so many people. We are surrounded by so many people that are so broken because that's not what they grew up around. That's not what they have. But that's what God wants. We grew, we're around people that have been hurt by churches because there hasn't been that, that love and acceptance and forgiveness that God calls us to have for people. We've got to let God change us in that so that we can then be the ones that offer that to others. Can you imagine if there were parts of the world that you just said, I can't have that in my life. I'm not judging you, but I'm judging me. I know myself, and I want to be close to him. See, that's the choice this morning. Paul said to the Galatian church, and we're going to close in prayer here. He said, don't be deceived. Don't go back. If Christ has set you free, learn to walk in that freedom. But if you go back to where now it's religion and it's based on what you do and, and what you try to show to others to make yourself holy, then you're missing the point. He says, no, you just trust him. And you learn to humble yourself before him and say, Lord, then strip away, God, anything. Let it die, God, anything that is going to take me back to that life, God. Because I don't want to go there. I don't want to go.